But notice what Jesus has done. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Give your heart to Christ today. Be born again. Be born again. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God All-powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Jesus told Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was emphatic in saying that man does not need reformation, but a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. We must be born of water and the Spirit. In verse 3 of this chapter, Jesus spoke of seeing the kingdom of God, whereas here he speaks of entering it. There is probably no great difference. The question today is, are you born again? If you die today, do you know where you're going? Think about it. Now let's join Pastor Rob. I who speak to you am he. Did Jesus ever say he was God? You better believe it. Here's one of them. She knew exactly what he was talking about. But notice, she had some misunderstanding. She didn't quite get it. She's still thinking in the natural, and Jesus is slowly bringing her in to understanding the bigger picture of who he is and what this is all about. It's interesting because as we look at the Samaritan woman and we look at Nicodemus and we look at these two passages, we see that he was seeking. She was indifferent initially. He was a respected ruler. She was an outcast. He was serious, Nicodemus was, but she was flippant. He was a Jew, but she was a despised Sumerian. He was presumably moral, but she was immoral. He was orthodox. She was heterodox. He was very well learned in religious matters, and she was ignorant. Yet in spite of all the differences, they both needed Christ. Do you see how that works? They both had similar things, different backgrounds, different questions, different experiences, but everybody needs to come to the cross. And see, there are those around us, religious people in the world, and see, the Lord loves people. He doesn't hate anyone. In this very chapter, we're going to see the verse that everybody uses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people. He doesn't hate anybody. Everyone has an opportunity. Even, the, even those who are entrenched in cults, even those uh, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the um, you name it, 
All of them, God loves them. But they have to come to him on his terms, not their own man-made terms. No, they have to come, as we do, on his terms. Are his terms so grievous? Are his terms unusual? Are his terms like, can't do that? I don't know about you, but do you want to have to work for your salvation? Do you want to have to earn it? Believe me, there's no assurance then, is there? Because if I have to earn it, I'm going to mess it up the same day. Can you follow me? I've tried to earn my salvation. And boy, is that a load. (laughs) A a horrible taskmaster trying to earn your salvation. Because one day you may be feeling really good and you're going to blow it the next. And everything you did the previous day, gone. But see, that's not the way it is. Faith in Christ. Very simple, profound Because some, as Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, some have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And from such people turn away. They claim to be religious, doing their own thing, working their way out, trying to do their own thing. And God says, well, I've done everything for you. All you've got to do is believe and receive me into your heart and be born again. That's all you've got to do. And because I'm a lazy person, <laughs> I'm not really lazy, but because I'd rather not have to work for it, I'll gladly receive that free gift. It was free to me, but it cost him everything, right? So Nicodemus, he was a very smart guy, but don't be fooled by people who are smart, who have fancy degrees and letters after their name. And again, it's not wrong to have a degree. It's not wrong to have letters after your name, but where is your heart in it? If you're totally relying upon your, your, your own schooling, you've got a problem. Because the gospel of Christ will confound you. It's a stumbling block to those who are smart and, and, and wise in their own eyes. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Again, there's nothing wrong. Let me say that again. There is nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with getting a Ph.D. or a master's degree. But where is your heart with that degree? Oftentimes, I think the more learned a person is, the greater their difficulty in receiving the simplicity of the gospel is. So what's it going to be, Professor? Are you going to continue to climb the ivory tower, only to realize that everyone at the top of that ivory tower is just as miserable with their life as you are? You're miserable because your life is empty and without meaning, You've embraced the evolutionary model and all the liberal nonsense that is being forced down your throat and into your mind. And you get to that ivory tower and realize that you're washed up. Will you come to Christ? The Lord is calling you today. Will you be courageous and bold? And escape the fires of hell for eternity. That's a hard message, isn't it? But it's the truth. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There is no admittance in the kingdom of God 
unless you are born again. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. See, Jesus defines here the difference between natural birth and spiritual birth. It's very clear here, I believe. See, we are all born of water when we were born and conceived in the womb, and we were surrounded by that amniotic fluid. you remember that? Because once that water breaks, the baby's coming. <laughs> right, ladies? I remember... Well, actually, I'll... It's called a Holy Spirit check. <laughs> no, nothing, it's just nothing, uh, whatever. Anyway, here we go. So, we were all born of water. We were all born of water. But that's not good enough. We're born with a, a, a nature that is opposed to God. We looked at that last week. But just as we are born of water to come into the earth, we must be born of the Spirit to make it to the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. Are you born again? You're going to have another opportunity today after the service. Come on up. I won't embarrass anybody, although I, there's something about having, even right now, just having an altar call. Because sometimes I think, you know, if you've got the guts to come down in front of everybody, the Lord has got your attention. It's the way it happened with me. I think I got born again again a couple times. I was so excited about the Lord. I was born again. I knew it. But when I went to church with a, with a friend of mine back in Florida many years ago, and the, and the preacher had an altar call, I was already born again. But I was so excited, I went down again just for a double dip. I'm like, you know, if there's any possibility that I'm not completely yours, God, today's going to be the day. I ran down. I was probably the first one down there. I looked like a dog waiting for a bone, you know. Just go ahead and hit me. <laughs> hit me, Lord. But notice what Jesus has done. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Give your heart to Christ today. Be born again. Be born again. For as many as received Him, in John 1, to them he gave the right, notice, the right to become children of God. It's not only a right, it's a privilege, but I love how the Bible says it's your right. God gives you that right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Notice, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Your parents had nothing to do with it. God called you into the world, and your parents just happened to be there. <laughs> not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Your life has a wonderful purpose, and God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Are you discovering what it is? Do you know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? When somebody told me that, I was so blown away. I'm like, are you kidding? God loves me. He's got a plan for my life. And I remember the guy who led me to the Lord, his name's Orlando, and he says, Rob, God has a plan for your life. And I had no idea what that plan was. I'm still seeing it come to fruition. He's got a plan. He's working it out. Do you, have a, you know God has a plan for your life? What a joy it is to figure it out and to walk in it. What an awesome privilege it is. What a joy it is to serve. You know, you think about to serve the President of the United States would be a great joy. And you even get paid for it. Hallelujah. But to serve the King of Kings, the one who made that president, the one who made everything, 
You get to serve him. And Lord, I'll do it for nothing. If I had to do it, I did it for nothing for a while. And I'll, you know, if I had to do it again, I'd do it for nothing. What a joy it is to serve Jesus. I like what he said in Jeremiah 1.5. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's how great God's searching is. He, he, before you're even conceived in the womb, he's already, he knew you. He knew you and I. He knew what you were going to do. He already had it in his heart and his mind. And he's like, oh, I can't wait for Rob to be born. He's going to really mess things up. But my grace is going to be sufficient. And it's going to be in his life. And people are going to see it. Right? And they're going to glorify who? Him? No. They're going to glorify Jesus. I love what it says in Psalm 139. Uh, David, you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame or my bones was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book, they all were written. Before I was even conceived, in your book, they were all Written, Isn't that a scary and wonderful thought? I love that. I love that. When as yet there were none of them. Is that how great you are, God? Is that what this new birth is all about? Is my birth, is, is me being here in church today a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. For you who are here, for those who are watching online, and later those who are going to hear on the radio, they are hearing it because God wants them to hear it. Because it is his word. Amen? That is so exciting. That's so exciting. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And we're just going to spend a few moments here, and then we're going to take communion together. But before we do, I just want to share with you this one final thing. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The indwelling Spirit that we receive at conversion is the down payment. When you go to buy a car, most people put a down payment on it, and then they pay payments over time. And then at some point, they go back. In our country, it's different. You can actually drive the car before you finish paying for it. But in other countries, you've got to pay for it before you get it. You make payments, you make payments, you put the earnest, the down payment on it, and then at some point you come for that purchase possession now. You take it to yourself. It's yours now, physically. You drive away with it and get a ticket on the way home, right? But the thing is, is that's what the Spirit of God, when we receive Christ, when we're born again, born from above, the earnest is placed within us. Thank God for that. You're one of his children. Nothing can take that from you. God doesn't give it and take it away. It's there. He is there. And he will stay with you forever. And then you walk the life. And then there's coming a time, the Bible tells us, that he's going to come back for the church. And he will then look down upon the individual who the Spirit of God is in and say, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine. And he says, that one's mine. And he goes, I'm going to redeem your body now. I'm going to take you completely. I'm going to raise you up. You're going to be made incorruptible. In a twinkling of an eye, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, we are all going to be snatched up together, transformed. This body, not my old shell laying on the floor, No, it's going to be transformed just like Jesus' body. And I'll be caught up together with him. I will finally be redeemed. It'll be done. 
That's what it's talking about. What does it tell us in Ephesians? It talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In Ephesians 1. Being sealed. A seal is something that is irrecoverable. Once it's done, it's done. It's it's not something that is taken back. And it says the Spirit of promise, who is, notice, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Amen? I love that. So we're given this inheritance, this earnest of our salvation, the Spirit of God in us. And then Paul tells us in Corinthians, and we'll we'll read this and then we'll get right into communion. Paul tells us that we're going to receive a new body. It says there are also celestial bodies, excuse me, and terrestrial bodies. Thank you, Pollen. This weather is really nice, but unfortunately it has yields other problems. He said there is a celestial body and a terrestrial body. You and I have a terrestrial body. It's made of the earth, right? It tells us that in Genesis. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Jesus, when he rose from the grave, received his resurrected body. He was resurrected. That's why he was a little bit different than... That's why they had a little bit of a hard time recognizing him, I believe. He received a new body, but still with the scars. And it says here that also, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, which we all are, but it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit, speaking of Jesus Christ. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, which we all are. But the second man is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust, so also those who are made of dust, and as is the heavenly man, so also those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And that is at the rapture of the church. But we, those who are going to be raptured, are only going to be those who are born again, that have that spirit, that earnest that in, of, of our inheritance indwelling in them. Does that make sense? That's like your, your ticket of admittance. For the rapture is the Spirit of God in you. When the rapture occurs, if I don't have the Spirit of God in me, I am passed over. And is that God's fault? No, it's my fault. It's my fault. It is all my fault. No one will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't have an opportunity. I had so many people telling me about Jesus until I was 24 years old when I finally gave it up. How important is it for us to be vocal about our faith, too? To tell people about Jesus. And don't, be, don't forget to tell them the bad news. We don't like telling that. We like to tell the good news. Tell them the good news after the bad news. That'll make the good news sound really good because you've heard the bad news. Follow me? Don't remove the teeth from the gospel. If I'm not sick, then I have no need of a physician. But because I'm a sinner, I need Christ. And I need to be born again. I need it. Boy, having communion with the Lord is really wonderful, isn't it? You know, in the Middle East, and and I think it's true even in our Western culture as well, 
When we have a meal, it is a very intimate thing. When you invite somebody over for dinner, it is basically an invitation saying, we love you. Otherwise, we wouldn't have invited you. And if we really love you, we'll have steak and potatoes and carrot cake afterwards. No, but it is a, it's a big deal in, in, in our culture, but especially in the Middle Eastern culture. And as Jesus in that room, that upper room, they passed that bread around and they just tore a piece off and they handed it to the next person. And then they passed around the chalice of wine and they drank of that and the symbolism of that. Jesus said this was to be done in remembrance of me. We don't sacrifice the Lord afresh when we take communion. We acknowledge what he has already done. Big difference, right? And so we have communion with God. If you could have communion with anybody in the world, who would you pick? I'd pick Jesus. And you know what? He is so blessed to have communion with you. Because when you, take in that, when you take in that nourishment, when you take in the bread and the cup, you're basically saying, what you did on the cross, Jesus, everything that that meant, spiritually and physically, everything, the whole thing, I take it in. And Lord, now that it's within me, work it out. Right? I take it in because I believe it. And if I really believe it, it's going to manifest itself. In my outward speech, in my actions things I do, my motives. It's like a seed, isn't it? The Spirit of God. It's like a seed that's placed within you. Jesus says, Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And that's what we do. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, chapter before us today. It is a, a challenging chapter but very simple and yet profound at the same time. Lord, how we thank you for the Spirit of God. Lord, we invite you, and I I pray that for every person here, Lord, that there'd be no one in this room that would leave this building this morning without having uh, an encounter with you. Lord, that every soul would bow the knee because you're a good God. And Lord, you've done so many wonderful things. And Lord, you've got so many other wonderful things yet in store for us. They are innumerable to to count. Lord, we will spend an eternity, millions of years, millions of years, and we will still be in complete and utter dependence and in complete and utter awe of who you are. How we thank you for that, Lord. Get a hold of us today. Get a hold of our attention, everything in us, Lord. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, renew and restore us. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us assurance and confidence. And give us everything that we need to live in this world that we live in now. We count on you, Lord. We must, we must be born again. And we must have everything you have for us. We are children who are very needy, God. I will say that I am, and I need everything and anything you want to give me. And I pray that not only for me, you pour it out on my brothers and sisters as well. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this and praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.